Hello and welcome to a special DC Awards Megasode uh, of Smarts, <laughs> which as you know stands for Shady Machinations Accentuate Riveting Television Series. Except today, where we're not going to be talking about television series at all. I know. We're off to a great start. Uh, <laughs> I am your host, Julia Gulia of Internet Fame Dash Podcaster. And with me, as always, is Trevor, aka Rudiger Q Podcaster. Hello. Hi. So, this is our third in an annual tradition of talking about our favorite DC comics of the year. Hooray! Yes. So, what was your favorite? No. <laughs> um, okay. So, so let's, let's break down what we're about to do. Well, we're going to... Award we're, ceremony. We're going to award... Categories. Awards to the comics awards. that we like the most. And to the people who are responsible for their comics existing. That's right. Yes. Okay. Okay. So the categories are basically the same as last year with one or two small additions and subtractions. So shall I get started? Yes. Go okay, ahead. Okay. So in the category of top ongoing series... Okay. Go ahead. really not necessary. Okay. Um, so my uh, winners in this category are Action Comics, okay, Justice League, okay, Batman, okay. Hawkman, and The Green Lantern. Excellent. With an honorable mention to Silencer. Ooh, awesome. So I think a lot of these kind of speak for ourselves if you've been listening to our regular weekly episodes because it's kind of I mean you could probably go through and count the number of times different series got Comic of the Week. Mm-hmm. recognition and add them up and these would probably be up there with the possible exception of Hawkman um, mm-hmm. but yeah action comics I've been loving uh, pretty much everything I mean with the exception of it maybe being like a little slow to unspool mm-hmm. in places pretty much everything Bendis has been doing with the Superman books I think I enjoy action more than Superman action being the one that's focused more on Metropolis and the Invisible Mafia and the Red Cloud mm-hmm. and all that st- and Leviathan yeah. and Superman being the one that's all you know him and John and Zor-El in space and and all that stuff. It's interesting to have the juxtaposition of the two, but I think that I'm I'm enjoying Action Comics more. Yep, and I'll talk about it more later. Uh, Justice League. I think this has been a really great year for ju- for Justice League. Everything from you know the destruction of the Source Wall to the the arc where they go to the sixth dimension mm-hmm. to, you know, the World Forger and the Monitor and the Anti-Monitor, Perpetua, Lex Luthor, the Legion of Doom, mm-hmm. Jaro, right? Like this <laughs> Starman, the expansion of the League in this most recent few issues to basically be like the Justice League Unlimited from the comics where basically everybody is working and training out of the Hall of Justice because they know the biggest threat they've ever faced is coming. Um I think it's been a really great year for the series and the fact that it's bi-weekly as is Action Comics and actually Batman, so most of the ones I picked are, really helps because you get, you feel like you got, I mean, if you got twice as many stories mm-hmm. in a year as you did for some of these others and they were anywhere near as good, then the sheer, you know, <laughs> the transitive property of whatever, you know, it's it's that much more to enjoy. Batman, I mean, what more can we say about Batman? I feel like it's been at the top of our list for, for all three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that maybe this has been... I don't know, it's kind of, maybe it's a little unkind to say, but I think this is maybe my least favorite of the three years of Batman, just Mm -hmm. because, to me, the Nightmares arc, while there were some some really good issues in there, I'm not sure we needed seven or eight issues of different dreams of Batman, where he was kind of learning the same lesson over and over. Some of those were great issues, as Mm -hmm. again, I'll mention later, but I I feel like that whole, I feel like the momentum of the series kind of, I mean, it's not that they weren't good, I think what it was is I kind of felt like the momentum of the series was lost there. Mm. Um, and now, but now it's really picking back up again. So the last few issues have been really good. Also, Hawkman was just a really tight twelve-issue uh, year-long epic, and the couple of issues we've gotten since have been really good too. But just that that first year, 
uh, really consistent, you know, consistent creative team, same writer and artist on every issue, yep. one long form story that they were telling, really did a good, good job of, someone said, okay, we're going to change everything you know about Hawkman, I'm going to be like, get out of here, you know, <laughs> because he's a character that's had so much weird, contradictory, bad stuff done with him, and Jeff Johns finally got him straight, and then the new 52 revamped everything, and like, now you're going to do another, everything you thought you knew about Hawkman is wrong storyline, and I, I was would not have wanted that. But here, what was great about it is they said, like, everything you, you knew about Hawkman still happened. It's just that all this other stuff also happened. Yeah. So it's it's like Jeff Johns al- like yeah. Jeff Johns always says, like, I forget the exact phrasing, but it's like embrace and expand. Like, mm-hmm. embrace the existing mythology and then expand it. Don't say, this stuff never happened. I thought that was Grant Morrison. No, I think the embrace and expand thing was was Jeff Johns specifically. But they have similar... They have similar um, mindsets when it comes to that, like Grant Morrison on Batman was very much right. the same thing. All of the Batman stuff happened, but now we're going to build off of that. You know, the Green Lantern, um, maybe not quite what I expected when I heard that Grant Morrison was going to be writing Green Lantern. It's very much like sort of a pulp sci-fi um, tone to it, mm-hmm. and and definitely a lot of Grant Morrison weirdness, but not necessarily the same level of intricacy that I was expecting. But still, really, really good. And just it's something it's you get a flavor from that series. It's not like anything you get from anything else as a result of the writing and the art, you know, Liam Sharp's art. Yeah. And then Silencer, I've got to give it to, even though it only didn't only lasted part of the year. Um, one of the best new series and new characters of the past 10 years, probably in DC Comics. And it's too bad that it got canceled. But yeah, uh, but I felt like, like I had to give it to that. I also had Silencer and Hawkman on my top five list, but I also had Teen Titans, Action Comics, and Justice League Dark in my other slots. So actually, yeah, so I should have said I also had Action Comics in there too, for the same reasons you listed. Um, Teen Titans, I've really, really been enjoying this arc, especially with the introduction of the new characters, Jin, um, what's her name that carries the chain that's called Obelisk. Crush. Oh, thank you, Crush. Roundhouse. Roundhouse, Ralph yes. Ralph no, then you're just toying with me now. Ringo. Star. Um, yes, Starro. <laughs> Ringo Starro. Well, those sound that, like good villain that's names. That could be something. <laughs> um, yeah, this has been a good run on Teen Titans. Mm-hmm, I mean, normally when a writer it. comes on, like, I'm going to introduce a whole new group of young heroes. I'm like, oh, God, please don't. Just give it, you know what I mean? <laughs> but these have actually been like, this is not Scott, Scott Lobdell trying to make well, I guess Bunker was kind of a thing because now he's back. Although only because Scott Lobdell is writing Red Hood as Bunker back. But it's like, I'm going to make Bunker and Skitter a thing. Like, no, Bunker and Skitter will never be a thing. But Crush is pretty cool. You know, Jin is Crush cool. Is awesome. Roundhouse is, is, fun, is a fun a comic fun, relief nice character. Person. Yeah. And even the existing characters, like, I feel like he's done a lot of good stuff with... Um, I, I agree. Mean, he feel, it feels like he knows their voices, Damien their and Emiko could come across mm-hmm. as kind of the same character because they kind of are... Um, a little bit if, and they, they've if, addressed if not that written too. well but mm-hmm. they're, he's writing them well here yeah and done, doing interesting stuff differences yeah yeah that's really that's and I've been series. enjoying Justice League Dark as well I like a good mystical arts kind of yeah, story that's and been that's been one of my I, that, mm-hmm. if I had to pick another one for top ongoing series it probably would have been that I mean one. it's on my list for just the chimp moments detective chimp moments alone <laughs> there's been a lot of great moments for a lot of characters Kent Nelson Khalid Nassour Detective Chimp Blue Devil not to mention you know, Wonder Woman Constantine Zatanna Man Bat mm-hmm. that's why it's on my mm-hmm. list so I've been enjoying those Okay, so should we alternate or are we going to I'll do just go you back. first? We'll just me? do me first and then you. All right. I feel like that's <laughs> that's, that's better because it involves oh. me. Um, <clears throat> so top limited series. So, I mean, some of these will be no surprise. Mr. Miracle, 
Um, that was technically, I mean, that was a 12-issue limited series that overlapped with this year, so it's fair game. I think mm-hmm. we also picked it last year. We um, did. Although we didn't have I a did. top limited series last year, so it probably would have been just in the, the top series. Mr. Miracle, you know, probably one of my favorite series from the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. We said, you know, we couldn't stop saying good things about it when it was happening. Naomi, um, obviously we picked, I think probably every issue of the series was picked by one every of us. Every single one, um, yeah. This, I, I, another, you know, probably one of the best new characters and best, you know, great writing, great art, great concepts, great new character. Mm-hmm. Um, Wonder Twins was a lot of fun. The first couple of issues kind of like were also good, but I felt like it, it took a few issues to sort of get the sense of where it was going. And, and by the end, it was just completely insane and bizarre, but also and really, really well written. So I'm mm-hmm. glad they're doing more of that. Um, Electric Warriors, which was a limited series. Mm-hmm. This was a really good series, too. Introduced a bunch of new characters, did a good job of sort of um, bridging the gap between present-day DC Universe and the sort of the, the dy- dystopian sort of commandy future and then the more utopian future of the Legion, sort of showing us how we can get from one to the other with a really interesting sort of mystery and, and tragedy at the heart of it. Um, Heroes in Crisis, um, mm-hmm. even though we felt like this one kind of took a, took a little bit too long in places, too, maybe could have been five or six issues instead of whatever it was, eight or nine. Um, Still really great characterization, really great art, you know, great characterization of the main character by the end of it too and left a lot of things more interesting than the way they found it. An honorable mention, um, Doomsday Clock, which is every time Mm -hmm. it comes out is, is... Probably one of our favorites, but you know the fact that we're only getting an issue like every exactly two yeah. or three months That's at this why point. I kind of, there's there's no momentum to that anymore. As well. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So those are my picks. Yeah, I have I have some overlap with you. My top picks were Batman Who Laughs because mm-hmm. I enjoyed every single issue that came out, um, and I was really looking forward to each one, and I really like where it went, and and I don't know, it was just a fun read. It was great. Naomi, obviously, um, for all the reasons you said, I echo those sentiments. Um, I also picked Wonder Twins because it was so fun and there were, the art was cheerful and fun. The tone was really wonderful. When it hit its stride, it was really, it was knocking those issues out of the park. At first, it took a little bit of convincing for me, especially since I wasn't really familiar with the concept. And so, you know, my buy-in was a little higher. But um, once it picked up, it was really, it was really a good joyous series of reads and especially the last several issues were just full of references and and um commentaries in in just the right way for me so that's why it's on my list also dial h for hero yeah that probably would have been if only on the strength of the last issue would probably would have been my sixth pick yep it was tremendous and then um freedom fighters which was just every single issue top to bottom topical and um, important and really well done and I was just it was entertaining at the same time you know and it had all the elements of the superhero-y comic bookiness but it also told a very important uh, series of lessons and I really like it and then honorable mention to female furies which didn't make my top five cut off but um, it was a really fun read and that was also good. So I, I wanted to mention. It. I enjoyed Female Furies. It did feel like a little, a little on the nose for me a lot of the time. Like a little bit. The yeah. way that the characterization of the male characters was completely unlike, like Dark Side and those characters didn't act anything like they should. They right. acted like bizarre, like workplace bullies, and not pretty much, you know, the Lord of Apocalypse. And it was all in service of telling the story that she wanted to tell, but. Ideally, right. you don't have to do that to important characters just to make your point. You know, like and there's sometimes a way to I do felt it a bit like more I, as perhaps. much as I enjoyed it, sometimes I also felt like the the writing itself was a little um, choppy. 
realistic dialogue is not really her her strength i don't think it it worked fine on the shade series because that was so heightened right in a lot of ways but when she tries to write i'm interested because the she's taking over batgirl starting with this week's issue that we haven't read yet and that's a series that really benefits from having like a strong authentic Mm -hmm. young heroine voice that Mm -hmm. i'm wondering i'm wondering how that's going to work like i'm curious to read that but but yeah no that that was a good series but it was just it was a little jarring to me just because of the way that it was so at odds with every other portrayal of those characters yeah in in the service of hitting the Mm -hmm. theme that you want to hit really really hard Mm -hmm. so was that those, those all your picks Yep, those were yep. my top five picks. Yeah, Batman so, Who Laughs, Naomi, Dial H for Hero, Wonder Twins, Freedom Fighters, Honorable Mention to Female Furies. So top non-continuity series, top non-DCU series I had to give to The Dreaming just because this has been so awesome. so unique. And the art has been great. The writing's been great. Just really great one-off stories and a great continuing story with a great continuing mystery. I'm kind of... The, the, the couple of issues that dealt with... Um, trying to remember the names of the characters now but the woman who wouldn't age and then her daughter that fell in love with dream and then was sort of tricked into betraying him and poisoning him Rose. and then the, yeah and then her mother rose's mother was dying in the hospital bed and then there was the nurse who mm-hmm. remember, the two issue arc kind of like, like i, I, I really got love it, it. Mm-hmm. yeah i know that that was that kind of felt like a detour that i could have done with that to me but the main oh are you kidding that was my buy-in the main arc is the one i'm really enjoying with matthew rem- and dora like explore exploring the different yeah. realms and and I'm trying to track dora. down dream the re- most recent recent issue with the house at the end of the the end of the world there and the one before that with the couple of issues before that when they were in fairy yes those were all really good I the most it. recent issue where she had to like hijack the story that was being perpetually told by, yes that, that was just a great story the way that it, it weaves in the characters mm-hmm. and the locations from the neil gaiman run while expanding on them and not just it's not just playing like a greatest hits of someone who's just like a fan of the neil right. gaiman run but actually using them to tell a new story is is been really good that's a good one Wait, so, okay, so <laughs> I think I may have screwed up because in my zeal to build top five lists, I picked top five well, non-DCU. Fine. That's fine. I just, I wasn't, I wasn't going to give it to like, you know, Lucifer or whatever. Or House of Whispers, and the dreaming so. was on my, the dreaming well, that's fine. was on my You can pick five. I, I, I think I only had one of these last, well, no, I guess I did have multiple last year. I wanted no, to okay. mention um, Batman Curse of the White Knight. Well, Curse of the White Knight is the new one that we haven't started yet. But the the original White the Knight White series Knight. from last year was was really good. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Books of Magic I've been enjoying. Yeah, Electric- it's good. It feels a little slight to me at times. A little it, bit. But it's enjoyable. But I, it is enjoyable. It's got the, some nice twists and turns. I really enjoy the art. And I'm always excited to see what's happening to this character next, which yeah. for me, it's, it's a very, that, it's, that's an easy it's, way to It's a get. very, it's, it's, you know, it's a page turner. It's a light, mm-hmm. it's, yes. it's sort of a, mm-hmm. it's a breezy but compelling read, you know? Like exactly. it's, it's like a, you know, a John Grisham novel or something. You're not, <laughs> it's not going to change the way you view the world, but you're going to be like. Right. You're interested. You're turning and the pages because you're, 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 you're entertained by what's going on. Yeah. Electric Warriors was really wonderful. Yeah, technically, I would say that's in continuity. It's just in the far future. But yeah, I know okay. I know what you mean. That's fine. Mm, I mean, who knows? Any future stuff is, is, is liable to be That's why I put it discarded. on the list. Okay. All right. And then House of Whispers, because for, for my money, I'm always, always, always looking forward to reading this one when it comes out. And I really love... The, if I had to choose one of the list I just made, I would have to pick House of Whispers because yeah, I, have... I consistently am looking forward to it. I, I I'm in love with the mythology. I'm in love with the the um, just the deep dive into the beautiful intricacies of culture, and it's just it's it's been so entertaining to get to know these characters and to root for them and to learn a little bit more about the mythology that I only know a little bit about and it's just it's been a lot of fun yeah I find it interesting as like a 
anthropological exercise, but I don't I don't feel any connection to any of these characters. You mm. know what I mean? Like I don't feel like I really understand any of them or find any of them particularly memorable or I'm interested in what's gonna happen. Like I'm interested but I'm not invested. You know what I mean? It's like No, I'm, I'm rooting for Urzuli. It's, it's like, like it's like a reading, lot. it's like I'm, it's like I'm reading like a like a, a recitate like a textbook. Like, okay, here's all the things like a history textbook. Here's all the things that happened. Here's what's interesting about these cultures. But I don't feel like uh-huh. I'm reading about real characters. They don't feel three dimensional to me really. I know what you mean. I know what you mean sometimes i'm reading things that are on your top five lists and i have the same exact feeling like i'm entertained i'm interested but i'm not invested and and i think that's just how people consume art different strokes for different folks you know so that's nice that's why it's on my list um yeah so what's the next category so top writers top five writers here we go a lot of returning names from last year so tom king is obviously got to be on there i mean on the strength of batman and mr miracle alone and heroes in crisis while it had had Mm -hmm. its faults was also a very uh a very good story yeah um brian michael bendis um sheer output i mean action comics superman naomi young justice event leviathan other things here and there, like other short stories he wrote for anniversary issues, like Action 1000 and Detective mm-hmm. 1000, other projects that he's shepherding but not writing directly, like like Dial H for Hero and Wonder Twins, which he doesn't write but are part of the imprint that he set up, and he handpicked those creators. Mm-hmm. So you can give him some, you know, some credit for like an executive producer capacity on those. <laughs> um, and the, the Superman books have been great. I mean, Naomi has been great. Event Leviathan is a really interesting new um, event. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Young Justice has been really good too. So um, also Scott Snyder. I mean Justice League. Like I said earlier, Justice League has been really good. Batman Who Laughs. That was mm-hmm. one of your picks also. Um, and though we've only had one issue of it so far, but his DC Black Label book, um, The Last Night on Earth. The first issue was really interesting, sort of po- post-apocalyptic. All the heroes are dead. Batman's in this. Uh, wasteland with the Joker's head in a jar going on like a road trip adventure kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah. Um, his final Batman story, basically. Um, we get the second issue of that, I think, this week, and I'm looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, l- less output than someone like Bendis, although Justice League is bi-weekly. But it- it's been a really good year for him. Just, you know, the juxtaposition between his more character-focused Batman stuff and then the big event stuff in Justice League has been really interesting. Um, Robert Venditti, sort of like a dark horse pick, but uh, Hawkman and Freedom Fighters. I mean, we've talked about them already. Those have been two of the surprise the surprise hits of the past year for us, and so I've got to give it to him for that. Um, and Steve Orlando, Martian Manhunter, Electric Warriors. Um, the Unexpected, which wasn't my favorite New Age of Heroes line, but had some inter- interesting stuff going on. And then Wonder Woman, although he's not the regular writer on Wonder Woman. Um, some of my favorite Wonder Woman issues of the past year have been the little guest arcs that he came in and did, such as the one where... Um, she teams up with Artemis and um, Aztec from his old JLA run. And then the single issue recently where we saw the uh, the alternate dimension where the mm-hmm. Amazons were evil. Um, so he's been he's been had a really strong year too on the on the st- strength of all that. And my honorable mention to Sam Humphreys um, because I've been enjoying Harley Quinn a lot more since he took over. Um, and then Dial H for Hero has has just um, has been a really great surprise over the past couple of months also. What about you? So actually, my list has some overlap with yours, but I took a different approach because you really paid attention. No, no. I picked inkers. <laughs> yes. My, when you pick your... So it's kind of funny because when they do the Academy Awards, they list the actor and they list the reason why they got picked, like the movie for which they got the Academy Award is... F- 
paramount to why they got the Academy Award. And so similarly, I picked the book and then I chose the writer of that book. Do you know what I mean? Like that the actual thing that touched me the most is what I looked to first and then I looked up who wrote it. Yeah, I mean, you know that, I mean, that's fair. I just think that in, when someone like Bendis is I writing think, five or six different books, I think this to is, confine your opinion of him to only one of them seems... True, and I think your approach is, you know, valid. <laughs> um, especially, Perhaps even superior, some mm, might say. Some might say. Some would be wrong if they said that. But it's equally as valid as mine, I would argue. Um, but no, your it highlights the difference between your level of expertise and my still ever standing novice level. I still feel very much like a novice. Well, you would have had these... to cross-reference all the different books to figure out who exactly. wrote different ones. Where you, right. could, you could name a writer and I could list you all the books incredibly, that Exactly. Yes. You are incredibly conversant in who wrote what and these people are much more known to you than they are to me and so I have to look at the work itself and then I look up who did it and that's kind of that's like fine. the learning process of me finding out who, more about who these people are and starting to learn their names as well as you already know them anyway that set aside so here's my top pick top pick top five pick for writers um this year I picked Tom King Tom King obviously for the same things you listed him for uh, Naomi Brian Michael Bendis and don't forget David F Walker also mm-hmm. works on this and um the two of them created this character and created this world and it means so much to me and this story is so awesome so I had to pick it um so I had to pick both of them and I regard them here as a team so because this particular thing is why I um, um, chose them. So um, I chose Sam Humphreys for Dial H for Hero because the fun, bombastic weirdness can only come out of a creative mind, and it's really been a fun ride. So Sam Humphreys gets a, a nod from me. Um, I also picked Robert Venditti. I didn't realize that he did Freedom Fighters. I would have double-picked him if I realized that he did that, but I picked him because of Hawkman because so many of these stories and the issues that he did were just my comics of the week, and you can't you can't just, you know, pass that up. So, And then my last one is um, for House of Whispers. I picked the team that's working on that, which is Nalo Hopkinson and Dan Waters. Um I really do love this issue in the series of stories that they do, and they put a lot of work into it. So, you know, they get my top five pick. They're Good. in my top five list. So, yeah. okay. So, top artists. <clears throat> so, again, a lot of a lot of uh, returning names from last year, and some that are not not too surprising. So, Mikhail Janin for Batman. Obviously, he doesn't do every single issue of Batman because nobody could. But um, I think it's at the point now where he does the most important issues. I mean, he did the mo- the two most recent issues in the desert. Um, he it's beautiful. did. Beautiful. Yeah. He did. What was the the arc he did before that? The one where uh, where we found out about the penguin, why Bane was after Penguin, and how Penguin had betrayed oh, him and came right. to Batman for help. I, um, I think he did one of the issues in the uh, of the nightmares also. But he's he's one of the you know ongoing artists on Batman that that will do you know four or five issues a year. It's just out of the. 24 issues a year he can't do I know exactly what you mean and this speaks to him as an artist too because I you're listing the issues and I with vivid recollection can recall not just the panels that you're talking about the ones that really left their mark on me but how I felt like you this person really draws you into the page it's so 
So he's yeah, he's probably really my good. my favorite my favorite Batman artist of the past few years. I, and Tom King has worked with a murderer's row of artists, but he's he's probably my favorite of them. I've loved his stuff since I since I first saw it on on the Grayson series that Tom King cut his teeth on. Hmm. Um, Riley Rossmo from Martian Manhunter. Hey. Um, I mean, I just. I mean, he's always had this kind of style. I mean, we've read him before on um, on the Batman the Shadow crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, he's just completely like the design work required for all the Martian stuff, the different forms the Martians take, um, the transformation sequences, the sort of weird sexual sequences mm-hmm. where the Martians sort of merge into each other. Just really interesting, intricate work. And he and Steve Orlando work very closely together on the series to, to you know execute a very specific vision. And I think that's really interesting. Uh, Jamal Campbell for Naomi. We talked about him mm-hmm. him a lot. Liam Sharp for the Green Lantern. Nice, um, amazing design work. Really interesting. Uh, really interesting choices. Jorge Jimenez for Justice League again. Can't do every issue of a biweekly series, but he did the entire arc in the Sixth Dimension as well as a bunch of other stuff. And um, he's he's sort of the the anchor artist of the this the first half of Snyder's run. I think I think that he's moving on to other stuff after this, but if only on the strength of those six or seven issues in the sixth dimension, I think that uh, that he would get it. And then an honorable mention for uh, Brian Hitch for Hawkman because he drew all twelve issues. Oh, uh, Brian Hitch so is, is is a, a all star artist from um, from his Marvel stuff in the I would say early two thousands. He did a lot of the uh, Ultimates stuff that the Avengers did a lot of the Marvel, did a lot of the MCU stuff sort of takes notes from stylistically and and, and So I'm and confused because I picked Hawkman for one of my top five artists, but it listed Tom Palmer. Don't know who Tom Palmer is. He might have been an inker. No, or he I might looked have, at artists and pencils and I picked Tom Palmer. He might have been on the most recent issue because I think the most recent issue had a couple of different artists, but he oh, didn't do the first okay. 12, the first 12 with that full, that big Okay, arc. well, in that case, I kind of screwed up. Yeah, no, that's okay. Because <laughs> um, so I meant to pick him. So those are my picks. What about you? Well, uh, as we discussed, Hawkman, Brian Hitch was one of them. A.K.A. Tom Palmer, as AKA he likes to be A.K.A. Tom now. Palmer, sorry. <laughs> um Let's see who else. Of course, J- Jamal Campbell for Naomi because it's just so bright and vibrant and wholesome, and it feels like I don't know. It's just it's beautiful. I love the characters. I love the look of the faces. I love the empathy that you can see when they're having a moment or a a, a laugh or anything. You can really it's so expressive um, without being overly cartoony. Um, it's beautiful. It's very much of a piece it. with. Um... Stephen Byrne on Wonder Twins and Joe Quinones, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, on Dial H for Hero, and that there's sort of an animated quality to it, but also uh, great, great color choices and also really great um, just facial acting Mm -hmm. for the characters, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not all that image 90s extreme muscle bulging art Ah, everywhere, you know, that sort of became the house style for a while. It's it's more subdued, more colorful, Mm -hmm. more cartoony one could say if if you know you hate to apply words like that broad right. strokes to to art but definitely you look at you know all three of these and they could be this could be a this you could you could see a lavishly animated disney movie having this I sort of look do. to it yeah you know? exactly yeah um so jamal campbell i also picked riley rossmo for martian manhunter because it's such a weird eclectic 
colorful. I can't think of anybody else squishy doing art for DC art right now that could do that could do that book the same way. But and also, that's, that's a hallmark. When that. exactly, but I mean, that's just for the Martian stuff. It's incredibly expressive and vibrant and strange, and I love it because that's what an alien planet would look like. <laughs> you know, it's not something that we would frame in the the bipedal yeah, com- society we live in. You know, reconceptualization of Mars. It's exactly. not just like what we see in the cartoons mm-hmm. or the TV series where they're just walking around looking like dudes. And they have sometimes funny shapes. Wear, sometimes wearing That's robes. It. Yeah. And there's just sand everywhere. Right. You know? Like it's it's a complete redesign for that, mm-hmm. for the whole culture. But at the same time, the art style, when the characters on Earth are talking to each other, like his partner, what is his Kate Spencer? Diane Mead. No, Diane, Diane Mead. <laughs> Sorry. Man, um, Martian Manhunter Kate Spencer came up. Now I want to read that series. <laughs> awesome. Maybe uh, an you're event welcome. Leviathan or something. <laughs> They're both detectives. Yeah. Well, that's... one's a lawyer, but she's... In the event law, the Viathan, so anyway. Funny. Um, no, but I mean, you you know the character art. It's very, it's different. It's kind of mm, exaggerated. And we were saying cartoony that you can comfortably say that it's a cartoony representation of what people look like. Well, I like the you way know, the that he draws John Jones in his human form as lines. like this, uh, not, not like this bruiser almost. Like mm, he's a, he's yeah. a bulk. He's yeah. a big bulk, you know, and as far away as you can get from the fluidity of yes. the shapes on he's, Mars. Yeah, he's like the this, lines he's like are this very solid stark object, and, mm-hmm. you know, and it really, you feel the way that he must feel limited in, in this one form all the time. Yeah. And he's just like a brick, you know? And that's another thing. I mean, writing-wise, that's an interesting uh, punishment for a, for a shapeshifter to be constricted to one form. Well, that's the entire motivation yeah, of the villain is else. that as, mm-hmm. as a Manhunter, he was he was sentenced to have this one shape and it's basically driven him mad, but he's found a way to use that to get revenge on, right. on Jean now. Yeah, yeah, crazy, cool. So were those um, your picks? Those were my, those were, uh, I'm, I'm only in pick number two. Oh, okay. So um, I also chose Catwoman uh, Joelle Jones mm-hmm. because... Although she's only done the art for... Well, she's still my favorite. Some of the She's still my artist. Costume. I know, yeah. I know. Um, but she established the rest of the art style, and I know that other people are sort of drawing to that. And I can see when those lines don't belong to Joelle Jones because she has a very stark, strong kind of stroke style that I, I've come to really, really like. I, I just like, like it. I like her design work, but a lot of her stuff seems a little busy to me. Like, too much detail it's in my places kind of that busy. I wouldn't want. For me, yeah. it's my kind seems of busy. Seems a little I like over, it. overly... And then I actually outright did pick. I picked Dial H for Hero, um, Joe Quinones. Yeah, I've always liked his stuff. He's, he's I just great. really appreciate somebody who can bounce back and forth between styles because style that's why amazing. I yeah. picked. I, I've got a lot of respect that's for artists so that can do crazy. that sort of chameleon thing. Yeah, that was nuts. I mean, he's examples. doing imitations of like 50s pop art and then he jumps into like the 90s kind of an imitation of a comic book that they, yeah, they saw. Yeah, he like dead like on Doom Patrol. Bazooka Joe comics. Yeah, dead on Grant Morrison like, Doom Patrol yep. style art. Um, dead on um, like 90s image style art in one of them and then like Sam, sort of Sandman vertigo style art and another one of the heroes that... And yeah, basically powers of origins. forgery used for good is basically what's happening. Yeah, uh, he's right he's up tremendous, there with so. J.H. Williams III who did Grant Morrison's Seven Soldiers and each one had a different art style. And then when they all got together in the last book, he would draw them all in the same the same room, the same panel, but they'd each be drawn in the style of the individual artists who did oh. their series. So each one, you could tell, like even if it wasn't the character, they had a, a certain look to it. That's crazy. That's yeah, awesome. It's, it's amazing when artists can do stuff like that. Yeah, so that was my top five pick because I also screwed up on Hawkman. <laughs> Tom Palmer. As we discussed. All right, um, so top story arcs. Um, I don't know. I had a little trouble this year for this one because I felt like 
a lot of the arcs, a lot of the the stuff that I'm really enjoying are like these longer form or either longer form arcs mm-hmm. like Justice League or Batman or limited series like, you know, Dial H for Hero or or Naomi or or um, Heroes in Crisis. A, a, um, a contained, self-contained arc or, or like a, a well-defined arc within a longer series is something that I don't feel that there were a lot of standouts of this year, but there were there were some. So Action Comics, uh, Leviathan Rising, the whole arc that had to do with Leviathan coming to the fore and all of that nice. stuff. Obviously, it's still playing out a lot, but that initial arc where a lot of that stuff was originally happening and the different agencies were being taken down and we had no idea what was going on. Um, a lot of the art there, I think primarily done by Steve Epting was great and, and Bendis was great on writing. Um, I've been, mentioned it already, but uh, Justice League, the sixth dimension, the whole arc where they go to that other dimension, and there's like this older Justice League that's made their world perfect, but then it turns out that it was oh, all sort that. of a facade. Mm-hmm. Jorge Jimenez, great art on that. The whole thing with Superman being trapped in that universe without a son. Batman sort of going along with the World Forger, and but not really, and then them ultimately winning the World Forger over to their side at the end, fighting their older counterparts. The whole thing with the Justice League being sent to like the space, space prison and getting out with the help of like this old, weathered, goofy Legion of Doom mm-hmm. um, with Darkseid as their getaway driver. So um, Just a lot of great stuff. Um, Batman Cold Days, which is sort of an um, overlooked gem, I think. That was the arc immediately after the, the, the wedding issue. Yes. The arc, the arc that uh, Lee Weeks did the issue of three issues with the Mr. Freeze trial with Bruce Wayne in the jury room. Oh, um, that was really that good. Was, that was just a really great sort of palate cleanser after the, the wed- build up to the wedding. Yeah. And also g- gave you really great insight into what his character was going through at that point in time and how much he doubted himself and doubted his own ability to control himself. <clears throat> and then Justice League Dark, The Lords of Order, which is the arc that just wrapped up with all the different Lords of Order, especially Dr. Fate trying to destroy magic across all the different dimensions and the team having to go to Mordru for help and everything. That was a really great arc. And I feel like this the series is just sort of building... Mm-hmm. On on everything that's been that it's been doing. So those are my my top four picks. That's a nice set of picks. I um, I also really have been enjoying the event Leviathan, so that's on my list. Um, Batman and the Flashpoint Batman, though that little arc in the desert. Yeah. Um, that's that's. I really enjoyed that it's too. So but tremendous. To me, two issues and like is two issues an arc that's like but a straight line. Me- you know what I mean? <laughs> I know, but it made me feel all the feels because it connected back. I know, to but a that's, story that's why it was back. hard for me to pick something from Batman because it's one big like 100 plus issue story. And so well, it referenced it. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, but I picked. I it picked anyway. a three issue arc as for my representation for Batman. So maybe I don't really have a like to stand up. <laughs> Funny, um, and then I picked all of Naomi because that entire arc was tremendous. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, Sorry, I draw a distinction I between a story arc and and series that is all one story because it's I only can't six help issues myself. long but yeah I, I can't help myself technically it's an arc i'm picking it i yeah. love it i it made me feel things i pick it um i love the hawkman arc as well where basically yeah he that's that's true that's an arc it's a 12 everything. issue arc but it's yeah. an arc yeah um <clears throat> and i picked uh the super sons arc where they are fighting yeah. against the rex ruther <laughs> or whatever his name is um and how that all resolved. Yep, that was really good. That and was it's, fun. It was done as a because I mean they knew that Damien was going to be going going on to like the darker Teen Titan stuff, and John especially was going to be changed with the whole aging him up and then sending yep. him to space thing. Yeah. But they wanted people wanted more of Pete Tomasi writing the classic, you know, <laughs> dynamic, uh, dynamic yeah. between them. And so they said, oh, do this twelve issue series where you can basically do whatever you want: space cabbie, it's robot, beautiful. Jonah Hex, do it. 
you know, teen Dude. alien impersonators of Earth supervillains. Future versions of themselves. Tommy Tomorrow. Future pot bellied versions of. F- framed in a story being told by older versions of themselves, which yeah. is hilarious. That was a great series. Such a, uh, 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 what's the bride? Um, the Princess Bride kind of yeah. framing of it. It's so great. I'm yeah, that was to good. Two kids who are clearly um, their descendants in some way, shape, or form. So fun. Um, yeah, no, that that's that's my top five pick for that. For so, arcs. so top single issues again. This was hard for me. The same way mm-hmm. the story arc thing was hard for me. But some there were definitely some standouts. Doomsday Clock number ten, which is the most recent recent issue of Doomsday Clock. That's the one where we basically get Doctor Manhattan's whole story: why he's here, when he came here, oh, what he's been doing to Superman. Good one. All the different versions of Superman intertwined with the story of that actor who was the first person he met when he came here. That was probably my. If I had to pick an issue of the year, that would. That's has a high either that or like you know maybe like issue three or four of Naomi or something like mm-hmm. that. But that's it's hard to pick one issue of that and say that this was the best issue of Naomi. Like that's very much one piece that whole six issues. Whereas Doomsday right. Clock number ten was such a self-contained story. I gotta give it to that Green Lantern uh, number seven, which is the one where Hal's trapped inside his ring. Um, oh yeah, it's one of the best single-issue Green Lantern stories I've read in a long time. Detective Comics number 1000, just because there was so much good material in there. Great story by Tom King. Great story by Bendis. I think Jeff John said something in there, too. There was a great little Warren Ellis story. Tomasi had some stuff. Um, that was a great anniversary issue. And then finally, Batman number 68. Um, of all the ones to pick, this is the one in the Nightmares arc where we see um, uh, Lois Lane and Selina Kyle on, on Selina Kyle's like bachelorette party in the, oh in the Fortress God. of Solitude while Bruce and Clark are like awkwardly playing chess and, mm-hmm. and chatting and about stuff a cold in the manner. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's interesting in the context of the Nightmares arc, like what it says about him and what it, what it's forcing him to see about himself. But it was also if you just if you try to treat it at if you just take away those last one or two pages and you just treat it as like this goofy mm-hmm. pre-wedding like bachelor bachelor. I remember thing last year them. I picked like a was, double date issue where they went on. That a was a great date. one that too. Yeah, great. and this was kind of like a spiritual sequel yep. to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was one of my my top Batman issues of the year. So those are my four. That's amazing. So I picked, um, I picked specifically, I picked the issue of Batman with in the desert um, with his dad. But the first one, um, yeah, yeah, because the two of them have, have different strengths. But yeah, the first do. one was really good. The first one was really first good was more because... about building the mystery, and the second exactly. was more about elaborating on the backstory. Right, and sort of bringing it to a conclusion and seeing how Batman gets out of this. But there was that feeling that it left within me that that cliffhangeriness but a very realistic reasoning for him taking the bait and actually getting a happy ending in this way and i literally like i i don't remember feeling confused in any other way no it's just i was confused Put by that Batman on the back of I'm the like, box i know <laughs> i don't remember feeling confused <laughs> Raves, Julia jeez um sorry i guess my endorsements need a little bit more scripting <laughs> before i get on the mic but um i just in, in the sense that batman is such a solid character for me and i usually can predict the ways in which he's going to be a dependable force for I don't know determination and resolution, but here you think there he was, was a chance he was going to take were, the. That's how I felt. Mm, I didn't. That's buy how it. I felt. I I've knew that re- he would. I've even read other stories where, I, where people tempted him with bringing yeah. his parents back via the Lazarus Pit, like oh, specifically okay. that notion. And he didn't. Rachel Gould tried it once during Mark Wade's Tower of Babel storyline, oh, and it didn't work then either. That's messed up. Although he was more tempted than he was here, so maybe that's growth. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Funny. Um, okay, so that was one of my my picks because it was beautiful all around, but it also left me with that haunted feeling. 
I picked the, an issue that I don't know the name, uh, the number of, I'm sorry, but um, Harley takes care of cats for a day. Oh, was that the, was that, that was, the one with the men's rights? Yes. I, well, that was Mark Russell who who well who I'm trying to remember who drew that issue, but it was Mark Russell writing it, who of course did Wonder Twins, that same sort yes. of social satire that yes. he's known for. Yes, you you told me that. Um, yeah, later yeah. I couldn't tell you issue. what issue that was. That was probably a good six or seven months ago. But yeah. I couldn't find it uh, specifically. But yes, that's that one left. Yeah, a I considered mark on picking me. that one too. Actually, <laughs> awesome. It was good. It was full of commentary, that's the, and humor, been the best and issue funny. Of Harley Quinn. Um, I also picked the issue, actually, yeah, that he did. <laughs> so the same writer did both of both of these issues. But um, the Annoyance of Doom member, the Scrambler, uh, basically recruits Philomath's daughter. What's her name again? I can't remember. I can't remember. It'll come to me in a second. Oh, Polymath. Polymath, that's right. Oh, Polly. Because um, of, of the similar kind of commentary style where you see Philomath, her father... Through, throughout his life m- being met with racism, basically, and um, job interviews that he wasn't successfully getting and things like that, and um, um, just being kept down. And then ultimately when he gets zapped into the what we know is the Phantom Zone, but what nobody else does either, and uh, the Scrambler says that's because life is freaking unfair and here's my great master plan that Philo even didn't want to to do and he couldn't conceptualize how we would be able to do it even if he did want part of it and Polly in her grief and her anger says I can do it and that's the beginning of one of the better arcs in um in the Wonder Twins series so I picked that issue because it was awesome and I picked Hawkman number 13 War Without End yeah I considered picking that one there was a beautiful standalone issue about that I picked for a comic of the week when it came up about um, Hawkman basically being reincarnated on one side or another of a planet in which a civil war was raging for hundreds of years and countless generations. And he kept dying in this senseless war until finally he was the one that extended the olive branch that ended the war and brought, you know, now hundreds of years of peace to the civilization. And they didn't forget what happened and just the art was great the concept was wonderful and the execution was perfect so that's why i picked that one and then electric warriors number four in which the dominator makes a friend and earns his name instead of being yet another dominator or part of a collective he actually makes a connection with some of these people that he's been thrown in the pit with um basically sacrificial lambs for entertainment and then consumption um, and the Dominator makes a friend who then promptly dies at the end of the same issue. But, you know, nothing's perfect. <laughs> um, I picked that one because it made me feel a lot of things. And I love the Electric Warrior series, but this was one of my favorite issues. Mm, I think that's my top five. It's your top five? Yep. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> so, top new character, I feel like feel like there wasn't really any competition here. Should um, we even say it? Well, one, it's Naomi. One, two, three, Naomi, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how else much else it's we can just, say from she's this. tremendous she's wonderful i want to give her a hug i would love to hang out with her and it's all down to the execution because the idea of like comics is replete with adopted kids who discover their i mean you yeah. need to go back as of far course. as the foundational one is superman is adopted kids who find out they have the and secret that's her idol in the story to too i mean they don't make any you know they don't make any um assumptions that this is the first time they've told a story like this like literally her idol for what an adopted person uh, can be is Superman. She has his picture up in her locker. Yeah, like there's no 
I mean, yeah, they lean into it. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but it's all in the execution. It's, it's all about it really spending is. those first two or three issues with almost no action. It's all just dialogue and establishing characters so that mm-hmm. when things actually do start to happen, you're invested. But that's hard to pull off because you can lose a lot of people in those first few right. issues because it can if seem it boring. it seems expository. Um, so it's all, it's all down to the execution. It's all about making the dialogue sparkle and the characters seem interesting. The art has to carry a lot of the weight too because mm-hmm. if it's just word balloon after word balloon after word balloon, it's down to the, much like if you have a really dialogue-heavy movie, it's down to the direction and the cinematography to make things look interesting to keep your interest. And the same is true here of the art. Exactly. So a lot of it, you know, and and the character has to emote and be well designed mm-hmm. too. So it's not just down to Bendis and Walker's writing. It's also down to, to Campbell's, Campbell's art. contribution, yeah. Um, yeah, so just a great, uh, that's just a, a perfect little six issue series. But like, I also love the heart of it, you know, because the character was really deeply well understood. This person, and not only that, but the surrounding characters too. Her best friend is awesome. And her parents, yeah. the, the way that they're so three-dimensional, loving, they have their own complexities and flaws and weirdnesses and, and unique and you really feel how much they love her. You could you could you oh, could name on so one great. hand the number of new character number new DC characters in the past twenty years that have been instantly relatable and instantly had a great supporting cast. Yep. Um, Kyle Rayner, Terry McGinnis, Jaime Reyes, sort of like young heroes mm-hmm. learning the ropes um, in the shadow of like a great legacy or whatever. Yeah. But they all were sort of instant fan favorites because of how well-written they are and how well-designed their costumes were. Although the Kyle Rayner crab mask, crab mask costume <laughs> perhaps some, hasn't aged quite crab, as yeah. well as like the classic <laughs> Bruce Tim Batman Beyond costume. But, sure. um, but yeah, like the, you could name, and that's just in the past, that's 20 years. You could maybe name four or five new young characters that have been instant fan favorites. Um, and of course, Carl Reiner at the time also not not just the costume, but obviously he had all the angry Hal Jordan fans out for his blood because DC had thrown Hal under the bus to create Kyle Reiner. But but yeah, I mean, there's not there's not a lot of them in the past twenty years or so, and I think she can stand right up there with them, you know. Yep, exactly. So top future wishes. Um, I, I feel like, so looking back at last year, mm-hmm. my wishes were basically the same as the previous year. And I've gotten a lot of what I was looking for. I was basically looking for the return of classic DC concepts and legacies. We've got the Marvel family back. It's too bad that Jeff Johns is so busy that the, each issue of Shazam mm-hmm. is pretty much massively delayed. Like, I know. I really have been The next issue that was one, like 11 weeks late or something list. like that. Yeah. But we have the Marvel family back. Um, Young Justice is back. You know, that was one of my big wishes last year. <laughs> We're this close to getting the JSA and the Legion back. We've, you know, both of those have been announced. We know that the JSA is coming back in Scott Snyder's Justice League, and then they're going their own series later this year. Mm-hmm. We know that Bendis is doing a new Legion series, which is starting in just a couple of months. I'm really excited about both of those. So we're this close. You know, that was, it was the, the Marvel family or Shazam family, whatever you want to call them. The classic, you know, the YJ4, Tim Cassie, Bart Connor. <laughs> The JSA and the Legion, those were like, if you check those four Boxes, off, like yeah. that's pretty much the main DC aspects back that I'm looking for. So so I've got most of what I wanted or I'm about to get most of what I, when I, what I wanted. So my last, my caveat there, so the what remains of my wish, and really the only wish I have is that when they bring the Legion and JSA back, there's, no, there's a lot we don't know yet about how they're going to do it. And I hope that in their desire to make them seem fresh and interesting and and relevant to new readers, they don't throw out too much of what too much of the classic material. Like if they bring back the classic JSA, like here they are, they're you know Jay Allen, Ted, the characters from the Golden Age, 
you know, fighting crime during World War II, the classic JSA. Mm -hmm. That's great. And I'd be happy to have them back. But so much of what I love about the JSA was the legacy stuff that came after, you know, Mm -hmm. the second Wildcat, Stargirl, the Starman legacy, Adam Smasher, you know, all, all that stuff that came later, you know, the second Hour Man. And his relationship with Liberty Bell, their marriage, like all that stuff that came later, I'd hate to, I'd hate to lose all of that. Um, and if they if the new JSA series is set in the '40s, obviously we can't have any of that. Mm-hmm. But the Legion, the Legion's been rebooted three times, well, twice already. There's been three v- versions of the Legion, and each time it's rebooted, I feel like it's sort of diminishing returns. This new version of the Legion really feels like another reboot to me. I'm okay with it because it's happened so many times before. If it's done well, I'm okay with it. But my hope is that because they say this version of the Legion is set in the 32nd century and not the 31st, mm-hmm. that that's their way of saying the classic Legion still existed. It's just that this is 100 years later and it's like a new iteration of the Legion that hmm. just happens to be using the same code names. Hmm. That would kind of keep the classic fans happy. Like their Legion still existed and had adventures with Clark when he was young. And now mm-hmm. we've got the 32nd century Legion that's having adventures even further in the future. Why else do that? I don't know. So that's my hope is that that's why they're doing it that way. And that sort of lets them have their cake and eat it too. Um, You can tell exciting new stories with new characters. Just don't say that the old characters didn't exist. You know, that's sort of my hope for the, and I feel like this is my hope every year is like bring the old stuff back and stop getting rid of it. But I feel like when you look at, and so maybe this is sort of my way of summing up my picks from the year, since this is the last category that, that, um, I think a lot of a lot of my top picks in the in the first couple of years, my top moments and the top single issues were ones that that had a lot of nostalgia for me, like brought back like oh here's the one where they where they reminded us how awesome Wally West is, or here's the one where Superman remembered his history, or here's the one where Kyle Rayner got his classic costume back. Those were some of my picks from the first time we did this. This year, a lot of my picks are are new stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like. Wonder Twins, Dialogue for Hero, those are classic concepts. You know, Hawkman, Freedom Fighters, these are concepts that have been around for decades. But these are new, interesting s- series that are being done with them that don't have anything to do with the old stuff. Naomi is a new character that was created. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of the stuff we're enjoying with um, Young Justice are some of the new characters. Um, a lot of the stuff that's happening in Batman are, are new characters, like the Flashpoint Batman. Leviathan is a new character. A lot of the stuff that we really enjoyed this, this year was new additive stuff. Yep. You know, and not stuff, not, not stuff that was just reminding me of the old stuff. I feel like the first year or two of Rebirth was all about reestablishing classic stuff. And obviously that continues because we're still only now getting the Legion, the JSA back. But I feel like the most interesting stuff in happening in DC with this year is the way that Scott Snyder is expanding the concept of the multiverse. You know, the way that Tom King is expanding Batman's life story, the way that people like Bendis are adding new characters to the DC universe and the way that people like Robert Venditti are dusting off classic concepts in, in sort of new new ways without saying all the old Hawkman stuff didn't happen. Right. It's just it did. And here's a new spin on it. You know, like that's something that I think we're seeing more and more of this year that sort of sets our picks this year apart from our first couple of years, or at least mine, mm-hmm. where a lot of it was just like, I'm glad to get this stuff back after six or seven years of the new 52 of not having it. Whereas this year, I feel like the best new stuff has been additive, not just retrospective, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So what what was your, what's your wish? So my top wishes are a little bit um, mm, different because I think you have a lot of attachment to stuff that you've been reading for decades versus me who has a more immediate sense because I've... I've only started reading fairly recently, and <laughs> to be fair, I can 
barely retain memories from last week, much less last year. So um, with that being said, I one of my wishes is that they bring back Silencer in her own series because it may happen that if, we've story talked about is this. amazing. It may happen eventually. It's not going to happen immediately. You I don't know. cancel the I series know. if you're going to bring it back I know, three but, months later. Hey, you never know. But um, I, I, it meant a lot to me. I hope that somebody uses her in a book and falls in love with the character as much as I did and really treats her well. And uh, uh, even if she appears in other people's books or other uh, ensemble books, then I hope that she is written true to her character and that's, with that's respect. That's what's going to happen. I hope somebody... So. Greg Rucker. I know, Bendis, but I'd love to see it sooner rather than later. Do a is new my point. Checkmate series, and she's going to be the new, you know, White King's Knight or something like that. Like somebody will use her in a cool way, but I don't. It's not going to be in a solo book, at least not for you know ten. Not years. Not for a bit. Oh, 10 years. I don't want to wait that long. None of these characters are ever gone forever. I mean, the Wonder okay. Twins just got their own hit series. Like, it's not, <laughs> awesome. you know, nothing's ever really gone, as they say. Um, so. My second one is that, um, and I know that Naomi is coming back, um, but I hope she comes in back. In like a week in Action Comics. Yeah, good. And then, you and know, she, later this year I hope, in her I hope she, series. I hope we see her in her own book as well. Yeah. And She'll be then, everywhere. She's going to be in Action. She's going to be in Young Justice. And she's getting her own, a, a second miniseries, probably in the ne- about six months from now. So we're going to be... We, you know, we're not going to be lacking for her. DC knows when they've got it. One thing you can say about these companies is they know when they've got a hit on their hands, and they, they do, <laughs> but they do everything they can to capitalize on it. So you don't need to worry about her exposure, I don't think. And then last year, one of my top wishes was that uh, we would get some more f- strong female characters. Um, and I really I appreciate. I, I really appreciate in the past year how much um, inclusivity, diversity, and strong female representation and strong representation of people of color. Crush, Jin, the, Naomi, yeah. Lois Lane just got her new series. Yeah, and know. I would love to see more of that. I loved Super Sons. I'm waiting for Super Daughters. Like, where where are the girls at? Um, I loved it when Dick went around to all the Titans and recruited them. How cool would it be to have a strong female protagonist go around and do the same thing and then headline the thing? Like, I'm loving Teen Titans, but I wish that it were led by a girl. You know, like that she yeah. was point, I mean, point on missions you're not instead wrong, of but a, a lot of it, like why, why was Nightwing the lead of Titans? Why is Robin the lead of Teen Titans? Just because they're the recognizable, marketable, popular I characters. understand. They have to, DC has to bridge a gap between the readers that were and the readers that could be. And I am saying that, you know, keep going, keep going, because there's, I really like it. There's a balance between the classic characters I know. and the new characters. I mean, when you look at Titans, that the the... the, the like the Titan series that ended a few months ago, the one you're talking about with that had Nightwing until he was shot. By the end, that series was majority female because you had Steel, Miss Martian, Raven, and then they had Beast Boy and Kyle Rayner. So it was so. I mean, there there are thing, there are improvements to be made, definitely. Right. When you look at when you look at some of the new series, when you look at um, the way Young Justice is now, like you, the YJ four, you had Tim Bart, Connor Cassie, only one girl out of four. Right. But then who are the three other members that Bendis added to that team? Amethyst, Ginny Hacks, and Teen Landry, exactly. who are all female. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And then you've got Naomi, you've got, definitely, I think Jaina was the more prominent of the two Wonder Twins in mm-hmm. that series. Yes. I think that a lot of the a lot of the newer stuff is definitely has that. And then, you know, Lois Lane getting her own series and characters like... I know. And I'm know. saying I appreciate it. I'm just looking forward to more of the same. Because, and you were saying, like, if you look at it, if you look far, ba- far enough 
far back enough, then you will notice that like when when Superman was first written and created and comic books were uh, being made about him, like girls were deterred from reading comics altogether because it would poison their weak little minds. Like boys were all right by being entertained by this because they were strong, reasonable, patriarchal, blah, 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 blah. So we've come a long way since then. But now, I mean, sadly, it's true that up until recently, guys boys men were still the chief demographic being targeted by these stories and therefore they were you know featuring mostly male strong leads and now we're starting to turn that around and try starting to equalize it a bit but i'm looking forward for the trends to continue because i would love to see a 60 40 split in my favor (laughs) i think the next year is good probably probably going to be the best one yet from that perspective because we've got the second wonder woman movie We've got the Birds of Prey movie. We've got the Batwoman TV show. Mm-hmm. Now, these are outside of comics, but DC knows on which side his bread is buttered. So all those projects are going to mean more series and, and stuff focusing on those characters in the comics right. and other series that capitalize on the whole thing. You know, yeah. We already talked about just last week, there's going to be a new Birds of Prey ongoing series. There's yeah. obviously going to be a lot of Wonder Woman content leading up to next summer when the new movie comes out. So I think that there's going to be... Now, that's, those aren't new characters necessarily, but... You know, it, I think it's it's going to be important for the right. gender diversity of the line that that pretty much all the big multimedia projects DC has coming up over the next year. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, what new TV series are they launch they launching? Right, Batwoman, mm-hmm. I, I, and then the their next new DC Universe original is a Harley Quinn animated series. The two the two DC movies that are coming out soon are Harley Quinn, The Birds of Prey, mm-hmm. and Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. Mm-hmm. So. They're, the DC women are going to have a lot of visibility over the next year, and that's definitely going to be reflected in the comics. And then, like we were saying, as far as new characters being introduced to the comics, I think they're doing a good job there, too. It's just a question of getting them more prominence, and that's mm-hmm. what having them in different I know, media it's a tough thing, does. because obviously, like, the name brands sell because of their name brand recognition, and it's going to be tough to outsell Dick Grayson as, you know, as uh, as Robin or Nightwing or Batman or any of the various configurations that we've seen him in, it's going to be tough to compete with that. I'm not saying compete with it. I'm saying just introduce, keep keep giving us other readers stuff to read. Because, for example, like you picked amazing stories as um, from action comics because those spoke to you. But I picked stuff from House of Whispers because that spoke to me. And different people respond to different things. And I think having a very deep bench of oh. diversity and and a source, a well of, of stories to speak to different types of people is, is just the ticket. Well, speaking it's of so, the Sandman so stuff, awesome. when we talk about new female characters, mm-hmm. Dora is definitely the Dora lead, is of, one of, my favorites. of uh, of, of um, Dora, the Dora is one of my favorites. Dora is my second favorite uh, character that was introduced, new character this year, second to Naomi. Yeah. Like she's, she's literally, she's way up there. She's interesting and complex and funny and weird and sometimes mean, but in the way that you understand why. Um, I love Dora. Dora's great. Um, and she has, you know, earwings. So that's cool. <laughs> well, I think you're going to also get, I think getting the Legion back gets you a lot of awesome female characters who haven't been seen in years in the comics either. Saturn Girl, Phantom Girl, Triplicate Girl, mm-hmm. um, Dream Girl, White Witch, go on and on there's like there's like 15 awesome female legionnaires you know so and and this new version of the legion that bendis is doing if you if you look at the art the runsook art does the legion have a team lead 
there's a rotating chairmanship of the legion and it's been men it's been women there's no i mean I was the just classic legion leader is cosmic boy because he's the you know dudley do right of the original three founders whereas uh-huh. lightning lad is sort oh, of the, I remember the, cartoon. the hot-headed one right. satin girl is sort of like the 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 mediator between them with mm-hmm. her telepathic powers and everything mm-hmm. cosmic boy is like the standard hands on his hips captain america leader of the legion mm-hmm. but very very early on they established that the leadership would rotate, and in fact, they Much had fans, like the fans write in and vote for who the new leader would be. So it would oh, come as a surprise fun. even to the writer. They'd have to be like, oh, I guess Dream Girl is the new leader of the that's Legion. Awesome. I've got to write that for the next See, year. See, that's you fantastic, know? though. That's that's pretty awesome. Dawnstar, oh, Dream Girl. So okay, let me add another wish to the pile. I hope that DC does similar things where you that that would be Fan nice to have. Yes, that would be nice to have. It's easier it's to a, do in comics than it is in pretty much any other medium because it's the I'm immediacy saying. of comics. You mm-hmm. can you can get fan response. You can implement a change, and it can be seen in the books. Within the following three or, Within three or four months. Yeah. Well, the lead time. You know, within three or four okay, months. Okay, fair. Anyway. Yeah. Um, in a way that you just couldn't do with. TV. I mean, in the Marvel movies, I guess you could. It's not based on fan response, no. but they can shoot a quick post-credit scene and insert it into a movie that's premiering in a few weeks. Right. But that's not, you know, based that's on fan response, no, 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 honestly. No. And just in terms of the immediacy of like, no, we I decide think that to would do be a, a thing nice... and then we do it. But, right. Yeah. That would be a nice old school thing to do. And not only that, but they would get faster responses than mail in from the back of the page of a magazine because you have Twitter now, you have email now, and you have. Well, DC has done stuff. I mean, there's the whole, stuff. you know, call this phone number if you want Jason Todd to live, call this phone number if you want him to die thing. And there's yeah. been other examples uh, more recently that I... I mean, I remember when they did a crossover with Marvel, they did a bunch of them. I'm not sure if it was the Amalgam crossover or not. Um, they pitted a DC character versus a Marvel character, you know, 10 different matchups, and they had the fans vote to Funny. see which one would win. Funny. Um, so there are there have been hi- aspects of that in history, and then fan writing campaigns in history. to save books, too. But yeah, that, but that's what I'm saying. I know I know that, but it'd be fun to have a little bit more and something more. I don't know, because we, we subscribe to the DC, uh, DC Universe... Um, yeah, that'd be thing. fun to have like a it'd DC Universe exclusive yeah. digital comic where the fans, you know, decide what yeah. happens from issue. And to not issue even that. Like I mean, that. I mean, it'd be fun to have that, like, yeah, in in universe or in the ecosystem of the subscriptions. Um, but that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm saying that we have more immediate access than more people than than most people, and I still don't hear very often about such a thing being run. You know, so I don't know. It'd be fun. It'd be fun to have. Um, more of it, I suppose. So add that to my wish pile. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. Good. Um, yeah, I I don't know. How did we do? Do you think? <laughs> think How was did. this megasode? I think we did fine <laughs> on a scale of one to awesome. I, I it's my I it's my top one, two, three, four, and five picks of best megasode of the past ninety minutes. Excellent, <laughs> wonderful. I'm gonna say it's my best favorite megasode of the past week. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> All right. Um, so if you want to reach out to us, questions, comments, suggestions, anything, um, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our website is www.smartspodcast.com. Um, our email address is mailbag at smartspodcast.com. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And congratulations to all the winners. You can claim your prizes at smartspodcast.com in the form of funny click sounds. There's a chance I might send a congratulatory tweet or two, but other than that, I'm not sure. Material goods are not forthcoming. <laughs> no, sorry, guys. <laughs> but thank you for all your great work and um, and big hugs to everybody at uh, DC Comics because DC is awesome and we are enjoying it. Um, funny sounds? I don't have one. No? How about... Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> we are the champions, my friends. All right. No?